Beyond Synth, Season 7, Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is Beyond Synth, episode 191, and I'm your host, Andy Last, and joining me today is Mr. Marco Merrick. That's right, I'm back again. Hello, everybody. Yeah, people are getting a big, uh, we've had a lot of Marco. You never have enough Marco. That's true. And there's going to be more, because I guess (laughs) I didn't talk about it on the last episode of Beyond Synth, because I released uh, a video about it, but if you are a Beyond Synth listener, you've obviously seen that last week on Friday, I posted a new thing called the Beyond Synth High Five. That's right. And uh, what that is, is every Friday, there's going to be uh, five tracks picked out by... Some cool DJs, and uh, last week it was Neon Fox, and then every other week it's going to be you. That's right, that's right. I get to play some awesome tracks, my favorite ones from the last week or two. I think, I think what I'll do is probably the last two weeks. Yeah, that's fine. And I'll make sure it's, you know, doesn't uh, obviously I'm not going to play the same tracks as uh, uh, Julian is picking, but um, no, there's heaps of good stuff around, so I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, so that should be cool, because basically the premise was if people didn't watch the video and were just sort of like, why the hell is there another Beyond? On Synth show, I'm so busy with the production of the show that I sometimes fall behind. Like just today, before you and I started talking, I was going through my SoundCloud, all the artists I reached out to and artists that reached out to me. And like some of the messages are like four months old, five months old. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck, I'm going to band camp and, and buying some stuff. And so I wanted to make sure that there was part of the show that was a bit more current. And uh, obviously, I know you are. Uh, current you I don't know why I said you weird like that uh, you yeah that was you know, weird stu- <laughs> <laughs> what the hell you, you, you <laughs> I'm having an aneurysm uh, you stay pretty current and Julian is a local uh, synthwave DJ here in Toronto and that dude just spends I mean he has a normal job but it's in computers and so all he does all day is just listen to synthwave and make crazy lists and download music and so I thought he'd be a good guy to have on board as well and so that's what it's about so um pretty much you can look forward to i'm speaking to the listeners now uh can look forward to every week there'll be a regular episode of beyond synth and then on your friday you will have a short 20 to 30 minute podcast where either marco or julian picks five new tracks for you to listen to so there's a more bang for your buck especially i didn't have a way to finish that there's more bang for your buck (laughs) well i I managed to listen to the first episode of uh, High Five with Julian and uh, it's pretty good and it's and I seem to have a pretty good response from the listeners so looking forward to my turn this yeah, week. Yeah man. <laughs> I was just reading up on that cool little interview you did that uh, article about uh, what the fuck is Synthwave? That was kind of cool. Oh yeah well how about this? Let's talk about that after we listen to a track. <laughs> so look we'll start this out here with a request. Martin Larby uh, Beyond Synth patron has requested a song by Starcadian and we're going to listen to it right now because this is a cool track and this is uh, New Cydonia, the alternate version. Yeah. <laughs> 
Alright, and that was Starcadian with the track New Cydonia, the alternate version. And that was a request from Patreon supporter Martin Larby, and it was also brought to you by my other awesome patrons. There's, of course, Mr. Chris Dance, as we all know, the king of the Pattersons. And then there's William Stewart with the 6969. What do you think about that, Marco? What do I think about 69? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. <laughs> what about two back-to-back, though? Is that bizarre? It's not something I've tried, but um, yeah, it's a good <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, uh, there's also Jose Arbello with the 6659 and Mr. Jacob Wick with the 4488. I've got a lot of very, very generous patrons who are keeping uh, Beyond Synth afloat, and I'm very thankful and grateful to all of them. So look, Marco, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. I've been enjoying uh, my weekend. I've been playing some Red Dead Redemption 2. I've been getting back into that. i uh, really enjoying that game. Uh, just the visuals are so beautiful, and I'm close to the end of Chapter 2, So, I'm, but I'm doing a lot of this, the extra stuff, you know, like the hunting and the side quests and all that shit. I, I really, I'm really enjoying the game a lot. Yeah, man. Well, uh, it's it's an awesome game. I, I want you to beat it. I know. I told you it's going to take me a while. It's similar to the first one in that there is an epilogue after the ending. Yeah. So there is technically like two endings, like the first Red Dead. I don't know. What, what would you consider? I guess I would consider the main ending the one before the epilogue. I think so. Uh, I just want you to get there, man. It's good. It's emotional. Well, I figure it is going to be after the first one, Red Dead Redemption 1. Yeah. So I, obviously they're going to have to do something similar like that, you know, something really dark or emotional. Otherwise, it would just be like a letdown. How are you warming to uh, the the main character? I like him, but I guess there is a side to him that's kind of uh, a dark side to him, you know? Yeah, see, that's the thing, man. What, what that game does amazingly as you play through the story, without giving spoilers, like, when I first started playing, I didn't really like him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I wish I was just playing as John Marston, you know, and John Marston's there. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, man, I wish I was playing as him because I love John Marston so much from the first game. Mm-hmm. But then as the game goes he becomes much more compelling like and by the end of it you're it's awesome that you're playing as him yeah I guess spoilers for Red Dead the first one if people don't know already well fuck them but Jeez, it's been 10 years pretty just about I mean I did really like John Marston like like mm. I liked him I found him funny yeah I did really enjoy him as a character but part of what makes him awesome is the ending of the game yeah and I think that's something you carry with you as well like whenever I think back to John Marston I always think he was so cool and then at the end of the game he gets blown away and it was so cinematic and upsetting and like oh man I couldn't believe they killed him off and so I think that's part of what makes him so cool as well yeah it makes him a bit of a legend you know so there's something different about it when you're playing as another guy because you have all of that baggage coming into the game going like ah but John Marston was so cool and I don't think it was all about the ending because I, I do remember laughing at a lot of the dialogue mm. and stuff. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a, he was a good character. I, I, I'm kind of the same. I, I guess... Um, oh, jeez. What is the guy's name? I'm <laughs> playing in the... Is that Arthur? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arthur Morgan? Arthur Morgan, that's it. Yeah, Arthur... Um, it's true. He, I like his character. He's got a very dry humor. We need money, Abigail. <laughs> we need money. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm interested. I kind of know what's kind of coming up a little bit, because uh, obviously because of the... Uh, the first game, so yeah, it's just interesting how it all plays out, how it's all going to fit together. Well, I think what's cool about this one, I'm trying to word it in a way that's not spoilery, like, the first game was a surprise. Mm-hmm. This game is different. Yeah. Well, it's not 
that much mystery coming up because you kind of know where it's going to go. But the start of the game, a lot of shit happened before the start of the game as well, again. Mm. So you're like going, well, I don't really know what happened. They keep talking about Blackwater and what happened there and why you guys are fleeing. And yeah. you don't really know. Who knows? Maybe they'll do like part three will be like a prequel to the prequel, you know? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, that'd be funny. That'd be like the first time ever they keep yeah. going backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, man, uh, let's go forwards and listen to another track. <laughs> I love your segues. Yeah, thanks, dude. Uh, so, look, I'll play another one, and then maybe you can play a track after this one. How about that? Sure. Okay. That'll work. So, here is a cool track. This one is by somebody called Zoltan. Z-O-L-T-O-N. And uh, this is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's City Hunter with a 42. And then there's Lucas Ceballos. In the twenty six sixty six club, a lot of a lot of the people who support Beyond Synth are devilish fellows, and um, <laughs> yeah, let's listen to this track, man. It's a cool one. This is Zoltan with "When the Lights Come Up" on New York City. And that was 
When the Lights Come Up on New York City by Zoltan. Every time I say that title, I want to sing it the way he sings it in the song. You know when like lyrics get stuck in your head or whatever, and so every time I, I see it written down and I start to say it, and I'm like, when the lights come up in New York, because I can't. I, <laughs> look, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, man, in the $25 club, Mr. Clint Dowling, Hugh Hefna, Honeybeard, Eric Dahlberg, and Tim Carlton. And I am here right now with Marco, and we're just talking about video games. I should also remind everybody that uh, later on in the show, I'll be chatting with Sunset Set right. And that's uh, coming up later on in the show, and that was a fun chat I had with him. And, uh, yeah. So what else is going on, man? What's happening in your world? Well, we were going to talk about the What the Fuck is Synthwave article, but then oh, we yeah. got deviated. But uh, I was going to say that's cool that you were featured in there. It was interesting to see what you had to say. And um, that's actually an interesting article. And um, Yeah, it's, that dude reached out to me, and he reached out to a few other people and did an article called uh, What the Fuck is Synthwave? And uh, I think my answers were pretty diplomatic. No, I like your answers actually. They were kind of well thought out, I thought, you know. I threw in a little sneaky plug for the podcast because at the end I said I didn't want to mention because they said like who are your f- most influential artists or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like there's no way I can answer that question and actually say names. Yeah. Especially like when you you know, when you become friends with people, like cuz pretty much a lot of the artists who I feature on the show who are actually like interviews, like I still talk mm-hmm. with and you know, if, if we're not friends, we're at least, you know, acquaintances and so it's weird to pick names because then obviously I'm going to leave somebody out, right? Because I can't just go, who are your favorite artists? And then literally just give a list of like a hundred people. Like, you know, I can't do that. (laughs) It would be at the top of that list. Ogre and Protector 101. Well, that's the thing. Because I I don't even want to answer it now, right? Because then I... (laughs) I know. That's what I try to put you on the spot. um... (laughs) I mean, I think think people can get a sense of... But then sometimes there's someone who just comes out with a really awesome song. Yeah. And even if I don't like, you know, their entire catalog, one awesome song is still one awesome song. And I might listen to it like there's some artists who they have like one song I love that I do listen to all the time there's a bunch of artists like that Mm. and so their name might not spring to mind instantly if someone said who are your favorite artists but then I'd be like but to be honest with you I do listen to that song like at least once a week you know and so it's tricky yeah, I, I, I'm kind of the same. I mean, I don't really have a favorite synthwave artist. Maybe. I mean, if I had to, it would take me a while, but I could probably write out a top 10, you know. Mm. But um, but it, it's not even because I don't want to say. It's just impossible to. I mean, it, uh, people have asked me. They go, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I really can't answer that question. You know, there really isn't an answer for me. There's just so many good artists in the scene. I could make a list of 100 people, and there'd still be somebody who's just like, oh, he didn't mention me. And look, I do the same fucking thing. That's why I don't do it to other people. Like, I know what it feels like you know if someone hmm. does some facebook post and like thanks to all the people who like you know promote music and do this stuff and then they just mention like you know Vailingo and new retrowave and i'm like where's my name you know yeah, yeah, no, yeah <laughs> so exactly <it's> like, <laughs> <laughs> so i know what that feels like and so hmm. i i choose to not uh you know imp- uh, uh hoist that on other people is hoist the yeah, word fair enough hoist fair enough hoist hoist <laughs> i don't think i've ever said the word hoist in my life and now hoist that's the way hoist one. Hoist! Hoist! <laughs> Let's just do the whole rest of the show and just say hoist. Hoist! And, yeah. hoist. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe that sounds bad if you do it that way. Hoist! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So what have you been up to? Man, I've just been busy editing. I went to Tilt yesterday, and I think, you know, before uh, Outland Toronto happens, mm-hmm. I might have to build up a bit of an alcohol tolerance. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to be having shooters with me. 
So It's not just that I'm a lightweight when it comes to alcohol. It's that I'm not a fun lightweight. It's not like I drink a few beers and I'm totally wasted and tripping over myself. Yeah. I just drink a few beers and then get sick and then the next day I'm useless. You know what yeah, I mean? because I need you the next day. We're supposed to be doing shit the next day. Remember? I know. Yeah, so so the problem is, obviously, I'm going to want to have social drinks with everybody, mm. but I don't know when I can do it because it's like, well, I won't be able to do it on Friday because I don't want to be out of commission for Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I also don't really want to do it on Saturday because I plan on seeing a lot of people on Sunday. And so, and I can't not drink. So I feel like two weeks before, I'm just going to have to like kind of every day... <laughs> Just be drinking. <laughs> just stop fucking drinking hardcore. <laughs> I know that That's sounds right. terrible, but it's like, honestly, because it's not fun. Like, if, if I just drank two beers and, like, got drunk and everyone could see, oh, look, Andy's wasted, but I'm not that way. It's like, mm. I drink three beers or whatever, and then I'm kind of, like, fine and kind of buzzed a bit, and then I go home, and then the next day I wake up and my fucking head hurts and my stomach hurts and I don't want to do anything, and yep. so it's not fun, you know, and I don't, I definitely don't want to have to work under those conditions, because I'll be, it'll be terrible, so uh, I guess I'm going to have to either build up a tolerance, or maybe someone in the audience, does someone have a trick? Like, is there something I should eat beforehand? Like, just eat a big thing of bread or something? It's not a bad idea. I mean, the only advice I can give you, I binge drink, I don't drink a lot, but when I drink, I drink hard, mm. and I just find spacing it out like having a glass of water every couple of drinks really yeah, helps yeah 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 I mean at your age you start to know your tolerance you know oh, you yeah. start to know when you're feeling sick or you're getting really drunk have a little bit of food that's what I always do I mean that's the advice I can give you but uh, maybe some other people out there know um, have some other advice well it's weird because it, my tolerance seems to shift all over the place because I know like the other day I was having drinks with my father-in-law but then mm. my my mother-in-law made a fresh loaf of bread you know like straight right. out of the bread maker and so we were eating that and like doing shots of something Ooh. and then I, I i realized when i went to bed i was like i just had like fucking like eight shots or something like usually like my tolerance is like three yeah and i'm like what the fuck and then i realized later on i'm like oh it was the bread like because it's we were eating all this sure. fresh bread but I, we, I sound like a teenager like <laughs> you do kind of fresh bread <laughs> hey, you want to play me a song? <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. So this is uh, Cyberlord with Priora Cyberdrive. It's quite a different and interesting track, this one. Cyberlord? Yes, Cyberlord. Here, send me the link. Yeah, I'll send you the link. It's Cyberlord. You don't even believe anything I say anymore. No. <laughs> you've, I, I love it because you've always got to have a look. Are you sure? Like, after I fucked it up a couple of times, it's like... <laughs> It's like, I don't take any chances with you. <laughs> okay, Cyberlord. Cyberlord. Interesting. Yeah. All right, cool, man. Well, let's listen to this. This is Cyberlord, uh, and it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Johnny Five, Emilio Astavez, Pattern Shift, and Kempson. And this song is called Prioria Cyberdrive. Welcome. Please enter your password. V-A-Z-2-1-7-0. Access granted.
and that was Prioria Cyberdrive. Do you think it's Prioria or Prioria? I don't know, man. I don't know. You're good with this pronunciation shit. Mm. Well, I'm Australian, so everything sounds different, you know? All right, so we'll, you, <laughs> we'll, we'll just say that that's the excuse then, and I'll make that same excuse for me. So people are like, it's Prioria, idiot. I'm like, hey, man, I'm Australian. <laughs> and that was by uh, Cybolord, P-S-Y-B-O-L-O-R-D, and Marco Pick, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Joey and Kendra, Martin Larby, Gregorio Franco and Blake Peterson, and what the hell? And Mike Shima. Yeah, so what are we talking about? We're talking about... Uh, We're talking about drinking. Tips and, for um, drinking. <laughs> well, I've heard a lot of people say that it's important to have a good lining in your stomach, like food-wise, mm. before you drink. And I've never really experimented with that. Or I mean, I know you shouldn't drink on an empty stomach. I you know, know what, that. You know what but, it is, uh, though? It's water. Water is the key. And the problem I have... Water is the key, yeah. ...is when I'm at a bar, I don't like asking for water. I'll get you some fucking water then when we're drinking. Don't worry. you got to drink water. Man. No, I know. When I'm at home, yeah. like if I'm having beers with people, like I have no problem just going to the kitchen, pouring myself a quick glass and like coming back in or whatever. But when I'm at the bar, for some reason, I never like asking for water. Why? And I know that's the problem every single time is that I don't get the fucking water in between. What, do you feel bad? Like you should be buying something worth money? Or I mean, is that I what? I don't know. It's weird. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like it's lame or something. Like even, even though... <laughs> You know, we're in 2019 and, like, everyone's all cool and stuff. I still feel like when I'm at a bar and, like, I go, can I have a thing of water? Mm. You know, that's, like, me, like, saying, like, I'm a wimp, you know, like... And I know I shouldn't feel that way. No, well, I, I do it, a lot, and, I, and I get the opposite effect. I feel good, because usually when I do it, I'm usually drinking hard when I go out. It's not often I go out. And then, like, I'll ask for water, and then the bartender will be like, oh, cool, you know, he's being responsible. Yeah, then good on you. You know, like, I, I'll get that sort of a feedback. Right. And, and, and then I'll wink at him, you know, and be like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> As long as you're buying some drinks, they don't mind. If you just go in there and want water all the time, it's kind of weird, you know. You're right. I think that's what happened. Anyway, this whole story started (laughs) because I was at Tilt, and I didn't have that many drinks. I had like three or four. And then when I left, I went to McDonald's and had a bunch of stuff off the dollar menu, and then got home and was fine. And then when I woke up today, I just felt like shit. Like, I didn't get sick or anything. I just felt Mm. shitty. And it was also really rainy today. Like, the weather was fucking trash. There was a lightning storm. And I, I, I slept all day. And I, I felt bad. I feel better now. Yeah, alcohol hangovers, hangovers are terrible. And they get worse as you get older, man. They're yeah. nasty. I mean, drinking heaps of water helps, but there's no way around it. If you drink a lot, you're going to be fucking feel like shit. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, because when I was younger, my alcohol tolerance has always been terrible. But when I was younger, I used to always throw up at the, the night I got drunk, like always. But I felt great the next day. Yeah. Like, I always felt amazing the next day. That's like my friend. He always throws up and same thing. It, it, it makes him feel heaps better. But it doesn't it doesn't work anymore. So even so even if I come home and I'm feeling weird and I throw up at nighttime, the next day I'm still not feeling great. And so it doesn't work anymore. And so I have to uh so maybe I'll do a bit of both. What I'll do is I'll make sure to drink water, and then maybe two weeks before Outland, <laughs> I will just make sure every night I'll just have a beer, and then the next night I'll have two, you know, maybe two for a few, and then three for a few days, and then, like, just get <laughs> get my body used to it. I don't want to turn you into an alcoholic just for this one event. I mean... <laughs> well, I just... Because so many people are coming, and, like, every few days, I don't want to spoil, because some people have, like, talked to us in private about how they're going to come up to, and I really want to make sure that I'm present 
for everybody because it's going to be like three days of <laughs> so many people. It's not funny. It's cute. You're stressing out about it a bit. <laughs> Obviously, I want to get a lot of interview footage and stuff for people to see and for the Beyond Synth mm-hmm. YouTube page and things like that. But I also want to make sure I'm here and present socially for everybody. And like, I would fucking hate it if I was literally sick one of those days. Like, I would mm-hmm. fucking... I would go to the doctor and get one of those stupid B12 shots in my ass if it meant (laughs) that I'd have the energy to... Because last time uh, when uh, Synchronicity, one of my patrons, you know, Ashley Keegan, when she visited Toronto, she ate some bad Tim Hortons and then she missed the fucking Dance with the Dead show. And I felt so bad for her too because she came here like... That was a trip for her, man, from fucking Ireland. Mm. And uh, how shitty is that to like come over and literally miss the whole show? Jesus. Oh yeah, no. I think I think she still tried to power through, but then she got, but then she never ended up coming Mm. in because I remember going like, "Where the hell is Ashley? Like, why didn't she come to this? She said she was gonna." And then yeah, she ate some breakfast sandwich thing that was probably sitting on the counter for too long, Mm -hmm. and uh, she had a bad Tim Hortons experience. Yeah, well, the most I've ever drunk was a Neon Retro Fest. And I remember I got, I was actually kind of angry because it was three nights. Mm. And I was like, three nights? I was like, what the fuck? What, it, can't you just do it in two or something? So basically the first night, I mean, and, and you know what it's like. It'll be like the Toronto um, Outland, you know, event. You know so many people and you end up getting drunk. You get carried away. We got so drunk, man. And we were fucked the next day. I couldn't even get out of bed till like 3 p.m. I just couldn't. Yeah. And, um, and I got there and I was like, oh, man, I feel fucking like death. And, and what do you do, you know? You, I, I, you just start drinking again. And I didn't want to, you know, but that's the only thing that makes you feel better. It's literally the only thing. First drink or so, you're like, oh, my stomach, it's all queasy, you know. But then then you start feeling better. And we drank three nights. I've never drunk so much. Three nights in a row, I got drunk. Mm. But, yeah, that's all you can do, man. But yeah, the three nights was a bit rough, man. Yeah. Well, we can all look forward to that <laughs> uh, in the summer. Uh, but look, uh, l- let's, <laughs> let's listen to another track. What do I got here? Oh, I have another request. This is from a Beyond Synth supporter, uh, Anthony Anselmo from Anselmo Incorporated. He just gave me a, a nice little donation on uh, PayPal, one of my PayPals. And he says, I want to listen to Dust of the Saturn by Dynatron. Oh, what a classic track. Good pick, man. Love this one. Yeah. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna listen to that right now, man. This is uh, Dynatron with Dust of the Saturn.
And that was Dust of the Saturn by Dynatron, a request from uh, Beyond Sin supporter uh, Anthony Anselmo. Thank you, buddy, for your kind donation and uh, good pick. Marco says he gets a seal of... Marco says he gets... Fuck me. It's Marco likes it. <laughs> I do like it, yes. Jesus Christ, it got windy here all of a sudden. I think we're getting your bad weather down here. Fucking hell, man. Uh-oh. Wow, I hope the power doesn't go out. That would be ridiculous. Uh, yeah. And that, would, of course, uh, was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Rachel Buchelman with a 1985 and Murat with a 1984. Ooh, see a little bit of competition there. <laughs> In the $15 club, there's Hampus ML and Ken Giroux. Cool people, all of them. And Marco and I are talking about drinking alcohol. <laughs> and I just wanted to say that that's a great song, and the title of the song is always... I don't know why, it always spins me out. It's like, the dust of the Saturn. You know, mm. like, it, it's not quite right, but then the dust of Saturn probably doesn't sound right either. It's like it's one of those weird things. I don't know why it, it always sticks in my head. I overanalyze it all the time, but... Uh, Anyway. Well, maybe he's playing a little, like, clever mental game on all of us, right? If you make your title just slightly weird, then it becomes a lot more memorable. Because it must be tricky for a lot of artists who have a song that's like, Neon Drive, right? Because then... <laughs> you put Neon the Drive. No, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of these days, I, I will do this in the future. I am going to do... And even uh, I make this joke when I talk to um, Sunset Neon later, because he has a track called Tonight, and I, I make a joke about it, uh, that one of these days I do want to do a show, and every single song is just Tonight. Like, all the different all the different <laughs> artists who have a track called Tonight. Because you could easily make a playlist of those. And, and a lot of them are actually good. You know, obviously, like, Look Cassette's Tonight is, is a classic. It's one of my favorites. Um, That's the first one that comes to mind for me, too, yep. Yeah, but there's a bunch. Actually, I really like Sunset Neons as well, but it's more of like a rock mm. anthem kind of track but it's still really good too and yeah there's so many uh, uh good ones if, if you did just night just night on its own then you could have like an eight hour show easily <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, i do i do want to do that one of these days that'll be like a special bonus episode like ha- have a theme yeah man that'll be fucking great so what is your favorite movie from 1988 Probably just looking it up quickly. Die Hard. Maybe they live. They live might be even more of a favorite. Bloodsport. Bloodsport was great. Eighty-eight's pretty good. There's a lot of good movies. Yeah, I guess for me it's it's Die Hard. Oh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I love Killer Clowns from Outer oh, Space. Get out! I didn't know that was eighty-eight. Yeah, I love that movie too. <laughs> what you gonna <laughs> do? Knock my block off? <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> and that song is uh, fucking awesome. I know when I was a kid, I used to love that film. Uh, it's just so weird. You know what part is actually really awesome, though? I mean, I know the movie's, like, really cheesy and stupid and stuff, but I love the part when the one clown turns the police chief into, like, a puppet. Mm-hmm. And he's got his, like, hand in his back, and then he's got, like, the two lines, and then he kind of speaks, like, a weird alien language before he starts speaking English <laughs> and I always found that scene like actually legitimately creepy like I think that scene's cool such a silly fun movie I love movies where like the final bad guy it's it's almost like a video game mm-hmm. you know where they're fighting through the clowns and then they're on the spaceship that's got like that one set I feel like they just had one hallway it was like an old <laughs> Doctor Who episode where like yeah. they just keep running back and forth the same corridor and then uh, the final clown is a giant clown <laughs> like I love I love that kind of stuff because it's like a video game and what about Big? Big's a good movie too I haven't seen it since I was a kid 
Oh, okay, yeah. That's no, still pretty good. It's, there's something fun about it. There's an innocence. There's a... I don't know. It is It is a, a really good movie. Maybe I'm biased because, you know, the nostalgic um, element to it, but it's one of my... Fa- it's definitely one of my favorite um, Tom Hanks movie. Mac and Me is 1988? Oh, God, that movie's so bad. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's funny, but Jesus Christ, it's bad. I've never seen Last Temptation of Christ. No, I haven't either, I think. It's got Willem Dafoe. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels was a funny one. I actually watched that in the movies, and I didn't really like it that much at the time, but as I got older, I was like, this is actually a really funny movie. What about The Big Blue? The Big Blue? Did you like that movie? I, I really liked that as a kid. I have never seen it. Oh, come on. The Divers, you know, even though it's not really... It's kind of based on a true story, but so loose that it's not even remotely accurate. But it's still really good. I don't even know what that movie is. It's a Deep Sea Divers that... Um, it's got Jean Reno or whatever his name is, and Rosanna Arquette. And uh, they just... There's two friends that keep um, diving to see who could get dive to the you know furthest depth to break the world record. And then, anyway, I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen it. Do they find <laughs> aliens? No, they find dolphins. Mm. It's just a very visually... Visually, it's a very beautiful movie. It's uh, Especially for its time, it was... Um, anyway. Was, I like... I uh, yeah, I like Beetlejuice. Uh, that's 1988. Oh, Beetlejuice, of course, yes. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, man. Akira. Well, 88's got some pretty good movies, man. Yeah, it does, actually. It really Blue Frame does. Roger Rabbit. Oh, I hated that one. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, even as a kid, I went and watched the movie. I was like, what is this? Oh, I love that film. Really? You did? Yeah. Oh, wow. i got to see it again, though. I watched it once, and I was just like, Arr. so I've never seen it again. But who knows? Maybe I'll, you know, change. I really like that movie, actually. That's one I, I guess they can't really, well, they could do a <laughs> sequel, I guess, but uh, Bob Hoskins mm. is dead. I mean, I, I they could definitely do a sequel with another detective like i love the tone of that film because hmm. they play it like it's a film noir but then there's just these cartoon characters in it uh yeah. and uh it's it's fun to see well how about this how about we listen to another song how about we talk about uh, blood sport though all right i mean how good is blood sport it made made Jean claude van damme and everybody loves it it's got so many good one-liners in it. it's just such a good movie well look man look we'll we'll talk about it in a sec because i want to okay p- usa i want i want to <laughs> play a song uh this one is i really dug this track this one's a bit of a build though, all right? So all right. if you're listening and you're like, hey, man, it kind of starts out slow. It's cool. It's kind of cinematic, but it, it, it builds. And I love what this song kind of does. It's really cool. It's by Atmo Lifter. Hmm. And uh, it's a really cool track. And it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Chatterack with the 1495 and Mads Baron Christensen with the 1313. Hey, looks like Mads Baron Christensen has upgraded his support. <laughs> Your supporters are lifting their game. It's time for you to lift your game too, Andy. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) And, of course, I think a few other uh, listeners actually upgraded their support as well, and I'll tell you all about it after we play this awesome track. So this is Atmolifter with Solaris, or Solaris. How do you say that word? I say Solaris, I think. I say Solaris. 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 Anyway, look, man, this is a cool track. This is Solaris.
All right, and that was Atmolifter with the track Solaris, or Solaris, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. And look, that awesome dude Jimpy <laughs> has upgraded his support again. <laughs> Uh, this dude is a fun guy. He keeps upgrading his support, and I keep uh, being happy about it. And, uh, of course, <laughs> Joe Ozone has upgraded his support. And I think that's probably to remind me to tell you guys that I was a guest on uh, the Ozone Late Night podcast that Joe hosts. And I think that releases this week. So you can check out uh, Joe. Look for the Ozone Late Night podcast, wherever podcasts are delivered. Joe's definitely a cool guy. I talk about cool guys. He really is a very nice guy. Yeah, so people should go uh, go listen to that, man, if you like hearing my voice. Um, I, I haven't actually heard the show yet myself, so I hope I, I was okay. <laughs> and besides that, of course, we will never forget uh, the immortal Chris Lyle-Lane. So what, uh, what were we just talking about? Bloodsport. We're talking about Bloodsport, yeah. Did you like Bloodsport or what, Andy? Yes, I did. Yeah, that was a great movie growing up. I used to rent that out so many times. You got to fucking Blockbuster. I must have spent like $100 on that movie the amount of times I rented out. You think I would have just bought it, you know? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just loved it. It was such a good movie. And uh, it's funny because it turns out, not to spoil it, this doesn't spoil it for me at all. Um, I'm glad I found this out much later. But, um, no, just a story about Frank Dukes. He's actually complete horseshit. He, he fabricated that whole thing. Like, uh, there's a big thing on it, and you can watch it up on YouTube. Um, he's, like, one of the biggest martial art con artists there is. That movie's based on a true story? Yeah. Don't, how do you not know? It says it at the end, you know? Like, Frank Dukes broke the world record for fastest kick, for most knockouts at a tournament, for, you know, all that shit. It's, it's based on a true story, yeah. Well, it's not a true story, but so it's a load of shit. But that's that was the thing. They paid this guy, Frank Dukes, who made up all his bullshit. And uh, anyway, see, now I'm spoiling it. I shouldn't even be talking about it this much. Well, no, that's, I don't give a fuck. I didn't know it was a true story to begin with. The movie's ridiculous. I, I never thought it would be true. Look up Frank Dukes' fraud and you on YouTube and you'll see... Just so we're clear, like, I haven't actually seen the movie since the 80s. I had a friend who loved Jean-Claude Van Damme. Really? And so every time I would spend, I'd go for a sleepover at his house, yeah. and he'd get a Jean-Claude Van Damme film. <laughs> so, we, you know, we watched Bloodsport and Lionheart and Universal Soldier. And, Lionheart was so good. So it's been years since a double impact uh, so yeah. it, it's been years since I've watched Bloodsport, but I remember enjoying it. I remember conflating Bloodsport and Kickboxer, mm -hmm. but realizing that Bloodsport is so much better than Kickboxer. Like, Kickboxer feels cheap to me when I see scenes from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. But Bloodsport is like a properly like entertaining film. It really is. And I love how it was set in uh, Kowloon City or whatever it's called. They knocked it down since, but it was just this weird, really condensed area where they just build on top of each other, like all these little fucking apartments on top of each other. Kowloon is in Hong Kong. It's Hong Kong. Yeah, it's Hong Kong. Of course it is. I'm sorry. Wait, so I've been there. I've been there. Get fucked. <laughs> when? <laughs> no, you haven't. Kowloon <laughs> Wall City, yeah. Fuck. Get fucked. <laughs> Get fucked. You have not. I have. When? When I, was in when? Grade, when I was in grade eight, I did a Southeast Asia trip with my dad. You saw that. You went and saw that. We went to Kowloon. We went to Hong Kong. We were there for two weeks. 
and then we went to Macau. We took a little boat ride over to Macau. It rained the whole time. We went to Thailand. We went to Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia. We went into Burma, but just for like an hour because y- you could just c- cross over. Yeah. And that's when it was called Burma. And that's why when they made a joke about it on Seinfeld, I actually got the joke because there's one part where they're like... They're talking about Burma, and it's like, isn't it called Myanmar now? <laughs> and, it, like, that is, because when I went there, it was called Myanmar, but then it still said Burma on the thing, because this was back in, like, 90, say, 98 or 97 or something. That is really cool, man. I'm impressed. I'm really impressed, especially around, that's around the time when the movie was made, so that's even extra cool. But, uh, no, I just, I'm fascinated with that place. I really am. It's just so weird. If you see the photos from a distance as well, like, it's just quite a remarkable little thing. Well, the weird thing, too, was it was like when we were there, we also uh, participated in a in a martial arts tournament. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. Now that you mentioned it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just a pure coincidence. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, look, dude, I want to listen to another song and then um, we'll go to uh, my conversation with the Sunset Neon. I think Das Mortal who's been on the show before. You can go and check out that episode. Uh, they released Hotline Miami 2, the deluxe edition, and I believe they are selling some vinyls and stuff, so you guys can go uh, check that out. And I wanted to play this track from the Hotline Miami 2 deluxe edition album. This is called The Killing by Das Mortal.
that was Das Mortal with the track The Killing from the album Hotline Miami 2. And there's a vinyl you can get if you like vinyls. And I'm here with uh, with Marco, and we're just chit-chatting about Bloodsport. So my point was that it's been so long since I've seen it, so I don't remember the end thing where it says it's a true story, so I just assumed it was yeah. fake. I mean, he fucking... He beat that guy after he threw dust in his face and the fucking judges didn't stop the fight and he very clearly just blew dust into his eyes like... (laughs) That's like, the only part that was real. That's the only part that was real, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's such, such horse shit. I mean, and, and he's training and all that. He's like, I don't know. It's just funny. He's just The training incorporates the guy hitting him with a stick mm. and uh, tying up ropes to his arms and his legs, so ripping his fucking tendons so he can do the splits. It's like, what the fuck kind of training is this? Wait, was that it? I thought that was... He does it in every movie. He does it in Kickboxer too. Yes, I know. He does, he does it in all his movies. But Kickboxer was the more ridiculous one, right? Wasn't it in Kickboxer where he he literally couldn't do the splits and then he tied them to two trees and then just fucking split them apart? No, they did it in Bloodsport too. Like, like he couldn't do it, so they they tied him to a tree. Same thing, man. Both movies. But Bloodsport was first, but but they did it in both movies. But Kickboxer is a bit more ridiculous. I mean, he's kicking that palm tree, you know, when he kicks it down and, yeah, so it is a bit more ridiculous his training, yeah. Uh, Listen to that fucking lightning in the background, eh? I know. (laughs) I'm trying to concentrate. I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's so bad. We've got a severe thunderstorm warning at the moment. Yeah. All right. Well, how about this? We're going to go to my conversation with Sunset Neon right now, and then uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll talk to you for a few minutes before we uh, close out the show. How about that? Hopefully, I'm still here when you get back. All right. We'll see how we go. (laughs) All right. So, everybody, uh, now tune in to my conversation with Sunset Neon. Well, I'm here right now with Sunset Neon. How's it going, man? Doing great. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, man, for sure. So you are Brett, is that correct? Yes, Brett. Uh, I do Sunset Neon, and I also do a project called Blue Stolly. Each one is sort of a multi-genre mishmash of stuff, and probably the easiest way to uh, discern them is that Blue Stolly is more for the nighttime stuff, and Sunset Neon is more the the daytime stuff and goes into those strange 80s influenced nostalgia trips yeah man well look before we get started though i just want to inform the listeners uh, who might be blue stolly fans that for the purposes of today's uh conversation we're just going to be focusing on the sunset neon oh, absolutely. i mean like you can talk about whatever you want but like it's it's sunset neon tracks uh, i'll be playing throughout the show yeah do it but i understand obviously you have uh, this musical history that goes back uh, a fair amount of years and also your relationship with uh, with mr clayton mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so I'm just prefacing that now, just in case people are like, "Well, fucking talk about Blue Stolly." <laughs> so you can. I'm not going to stop you. Is is my point? Uh, because yeah, yeah, they are very sort of different projects. But I can tell, you know, right out of the gate with your uh, Sunset Neon stuff that obviously you do have uh, an extensive history of production because, like, the album itself is really solidly produced, and I imagine that comes from sort of years of doing your other stuff. Oh yeah. <coughs> and, excuse me. The uh, this is the uh, fun warning up front is that uh, very sorry to all the listeners. I'm getting over a cold and have asthma. So you get all the fun of being trapped on a on a broken elevator. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll edit all that stuff out. No one will know. Oh, great. 
trust me, you won't catch it over the podcast, but uh, sorry ahead of time. I know it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope I don't catch your asthma. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a really strange experience for me if that were the case. Hey, I'll send you an inhaler through the mail, man. <laughs> you know, I, that's the thing I don't get about inhalers. So... There is actual medicine inside those things. So I'm told when I first discovered that I had asthma, they they prescribed me this, uh, you know, the inhaler thing. And I think it was full of something called albuterol, mm. which just sounds like a guy's name. It's like, oh, yeah, the name's albuterol. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and the problem is every time I would take it, it would like make my heart race. I would start like palpitating. I'm like, well, this doesn't help anything. It's like if you're having an asthma attack, if you can't breathe, the last thing you need is like, hey, it feels like my heart's going to jump out of my chest and I'm going to die of a heart attack today. Yeah. I'm like, let's not use that. The unfortunate thing is that there's a cough and it's pretty fun being an asthmatic singer, but somehow somehow doing that, I'm fine. When you first find out, like, did you find out as an adult or as a kid? Oh, no, it was, it was as an adult. It's back when I lived in... <coughs> it's back when I lived in Phoenix, Arizona and I was working at a medical imaging facility. I was one of the people that would, like, be the liaison between you come in, you need an MRI, like I'm the person you talk to who then like interfaces with the insurance company and then maybe talks to referring doctors and stuff like that and maybe also gives you part of your prep. And some of the texts were like, your cough sounds god awful, man. You sound terrible. You need to walk down a couple doors and see one of these doctors. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and since I had buddies there, they're like, let's just do a chest x-ray on you and then he can look at that. And then he comes back he's like, yeah, you got asthma. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm screwed. So it's, yeah, it's a buildup of years of playing in bands that played in like smoky clubs and stuff like that before all that stuff was regulated. And, you know, before, before the laws came down where it's like, no, 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 you can't, you can't smoke in here. And we would be playing places where it's like, yeah, this is just a cloud. Yeah. This is yeah, just yeah. a giant cloud in here. So did you at the time, because obviously you were coughing and didn't think you had anything wrong. So were you like smoking or something that would lead you to believe that the cough was from another cause? See, I never, I never smoked. <laughs> I never smoked. <laughs> I'm keeping that one in. Oh, great. That's a, it works perfectly. Like after that sentence. Oh yeah. I never smoked, but I was, I was around a lot of people who did. And when I was growing up, I had the I had the, like, not awesome father figure, you know? I remember being, like, five, and he would be, like, blowing smoke in my face. and like, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is probably going to come around in a bad way. Yeah, and it did. But I, I guess it's one of those athletes that, like, even though they have the, uh, even though they're like they're missing a leg. It's like, yeah, I can, I'm still going to run a marathon. I may not come <laughs> in was, first, but I can, I can still I was, give it a go. I was going to jump in with that same example. Like as you were pausing, I'm like, we're going to go with the legless runner. It's, yes. <laughs> Who's got those f weird metal fucking bendy leg things that like they can run with. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like if I was a double amputee, it's like, just stick me on a skateboard, man. I just want to inspire people. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a good thing to want to do. Yeah. <laughs> because I know some people with asthma who alluded to the fact that the inhalers had nothing in them. Oh, weird. That it was like a weird just calming down placebo sort of thing. Interesting. I mean, I'm sure they have to have medicine, but I think maybe there's some people who like, they can like lower the dose or something to where it's more like sure. you have a you have an attack and it just sort of like calms you down to like press the thing and hear that sound. It's more like the security blanket. I guess that's, I guess that's also why I never... Why I was like, okay, A, this is, I'm going to have a heart attack with this nonsense. And B, it's like, I don't want to have to rely on this thing. I pretty much come from that realm of like, you know, someone chops your arm off. It's like, ah, just rub some dirt on it and walk it off. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so in the case of asthma, you just have to like eat some dirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I carry two baggies full of it yeah. around everywhere I go. <laughs> just run around just inhaling dirt. Uh, well, look, how about this? We're going to get started. We're going to listen to some tracks. Great. And we'll keep talking. So we're going to jump right out of the gate here. I think I played this track on the show before because it's a very catchy tune. This is Got You by Sunset Neon. Baby, yeah. and I'm there. 
That was Got You by Sunset Neon. And I'm here with Sunset Neon right now. Mr. Brett. How do you say your last name? Is that Autry? It is Autry. Okay. Like Gene Autry without the cowboy hat. All right. That's a reference <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to, to a thing I should probably know. So with all these years when you were doing uh, Blue Stolly, which is, uh, you know, it's it's harder and there's a lot of screaming and metal going on in there. <laughs> so what prompted you to go, I think I have this in me, the, the Sunset Neon. So while I was doing the heavier stuff, you know, there's stuff like the uh, self-titled Blue Stolly album and there's stuff like The Devil where those are all big vocal tracks and big guitars and big vocals. And even though there's some screaming, there's also some, like, the goal with all of it is, like, let's still write a hooky song. This should still be based in songwriting and have a big hooky sort of production angle to it. Mm -hmm. I would also do these albums called Anti-Sleep that were all meant for, like, film and TV, video games, stuff like that. All just, like, for other people would be, like, production music, except that this actually got released as a regular album. So it would just be this multi-genre stuff of like, okay, here's like a rock thing, but now here's something funky, or here's like a breakbeat thing, or kind of a pop deal. To try and keep four walls up and be able to pay rent and everything, I was doing a lot of like ad work. So I would be getting briefs from like Ford or like for a for a new Mustang or something like, we want a track that's like upbeat and bubbly and poppy and everything. I'm like, well, that... That sounds awesome. I mean, I love that. I, there's not really any genres that I don't like. It's like there's something to like about everything. That's why I can't ever stand still and just do one type of thing. So I wrote a lot of like kind of like poppy, upbeat stuff with that. I was just sort of like experimenting with doing some more pure popish kind of stuff. And one of the first things that I did was a uh, this track called uh, uh, Never Dance Again as Blue Stolly. And it existed as a single... But because it was so sort of upbeat, the lyrics are not, but the music itself was sort of, you know, upbeat and sing along like, huh, this kind of doesn't fit on any album, even though I pride myself on this thing being like a multi-genre thing, like you're spinning a radio dial and you don't know where it's going to land. So I'm like, ah, maybe I just need like another outlet for stuff like that. So I started messing around with like making other tracks. Like I made, I made the song Metro Center 84 and just put that out as a single and that was one where it's like well this obviously is not going to go on a record and it's not something that you know seems like it would be a like a film and tv track it's just a for fun thing it's just hey it's an artistic expression and let's do some crazy like down tempo chill wavy kind of stuff looking back on some of that stuff even though they don't fit on like a blue stolly album proper they would all fit on one other record together so maybe that's a volume of things or maybe that's just a like an entirely new project Hey, let's just like wipe the slate clean, start brand spanking new, just make a, a, a project of its own that's entire purpose is to explore all of that stuff. It's still multi-genre, but its entire purpose is all that like kind of daytime music, more, more than like everything that would be like the rejected soundtrack to the movie Rad or something. So yeah. it's like you know, <laughs> everything from the synth stuff to the big like power anthem guitar stuff. Uh, it was it was really just like another multi-genre placeholder to put all of that stuff that didn't quite fit anywhere else. Now, is your head in like a different space when you're making this stuff as uh, compared to the Blue Stolly stuff? Oh, 100%. There's still some overlap. It's still me. It's not totally 
Jekyll and Hyde where it's where it's like now I'm wearing different clothes and I talk a different way and I only consume this kind of meat. You, you got you got to dye your hair blue. <laughs> you got to switch it up and have two different colors. That's the good thing with always walking around and already looking like a Lisa Frank trapper keeper is like I already I'm already pretty much there. I <laughs> kind of advertise this kind of music. With the Sunset Neon stuff, I do definitely go back and listen to like inspirational stuff and mainly sort of like pull from influences that are not as readily apparent in in the Blue Stolly stuff. It's stuff that's still there, but it's like you'd never know. You know, like a Janet Jackson album has like some of my favorite drum programming of all time. So th- with Sunset Neon, it's like, oh, now I can put this on display. And Got You is actually a really good... It's it's good that you opened with that because that was the one that I did after after I was like, oh, let me go back because I, I love the hell out of uh, the productions of uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Like any of those guys from the time. All those guys from Morris Day and, and, and all those dudes. Like Jam and Lewis and Jesse Johnson went off and did his own thing. Their production on Janet Jackson stuff is just insane. Like the song Control, it's the best drum programming. It still sounds cool as hell today. And yeah, I, I would pull for that for more Blue Stolly-ish industrial sort of things. But with this one, it's like, oh, I can just go absolutely crazy and reference this stuff or reference like old movie soundtracks. And it's just a, it's a fun way to get to dive back into nostalgia and... uh you know, live in a headspace that I don't normally get to. Well, that makes sense, man. Well, how about this? Since you mentioned it earlier, let's uh, listen to it. Uh, the track Never Dance Again. And uh, that's my setup to play that song. I don't know. <laughs> I said and as though I had something else, but I don't. Uh, okay, let's listen to this. This is Never Dance Again by Sunset Neon.
And that was Sunset Neon with the track Never Dance Again. And I'm here with Sunset Neon right now talking about programming drums. So when you're, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm distilling this conversation <laughs> up to this point. <laughs> so when you, uh, what do you do for fun then, man, when you're not uh, making tunes? I'm boring as hell. Yeah. I spend most of my time in the studio. If I wasn't married, then I would spend all of my time in the studio. That's the thing that forces me to like, oh, I got to go outside. I got to I got to go home. Do you have a bed in your studio or a cot? There is not, but uh there's a very unappealing floor. When I'm here, I don't let myself uh I'm like, okay, sleep is the reward. There I mean, there's been times I've been working on like a custom project for a movie trailer or something where I'm like, okay, I have to get this done and I'll I'll walk out of the studio. I'm like, "Huh, why is it so dark outside?" I'm like, yeah. "Oh, because it's <laughs> Because it's 3.40 in the morning. Mm. Jesus. I'm pretty much always here, always working on this, but uh, it's the basic of going back through old movies that I love, and there's stacks of books and graphic novels and stuff like that. I really love tracking down the movies that I loved watching on VHS that I would just watch over and over and over again. I mean, unfortunately, some of them aren't on streaming networks, so you have to like, okay, is this? did someone upload even part of this to YouTube? (laughs) But luckily, I don't know if you've looked through Amazon Prime, but they have such a giant wellspring of straight-to-video garbage that I love. Dude, my metaphor for Amazon Prime is the back shelf at a mom-and-pop video store. There'd be those small video stores that would do rentals, and, you know, they'd have the front shelf that would have all the new releases, and then there'd be, like, this weird back shelf with, like, weird B-horror films, and it was usually like right next to the little booth with the pornos in it and that to me is what amazon prime is it's that shelf that's at the very back where you're looking at the covers and some of them are like 3d and shit because the movie's so terrible that it needs yes. like a fancy box to trick you into thinking there's a film inside <laughs> when i go through amazon prime i'm just like what the fuck is this shit like it's just so much shit but to be fair i have actually watched a few things and i've learned something about myself I think that movies nowadays are pretty competently made to the point where I'm actually enjoying bad movies now Hmm. simply because they are surprising. There's like the language of cinema that everybody sort of like understands now, you know, especially Mm -hmm. with like film school and critique and all these other things that like there are certain things you don't do. You know, like when you watch a movie, there's like, you know, a character you wouldn't kill off because it wouldn't make any sense to do it at this point in the story. Like, why would you introduce these elements just to fucking throw them away? Like, that's like a writing mistake. And then you watch a bad movie and they'll make those mistakes. (laughs) So when I'm watching like these bad movies from the 80s that are like really low budget, like these terrible things, I'm surprised because I'm like, oh, wow, like you're not supposed to kill that character now. Like that literally doesn't make that's a mistake. (laughs) And so and so you don't see it coming. Whereas like now when I watch movies, I always see everything coming because I'm like, yeah, the best friend who's been like the friendliest character this whole film, he's going to be the bad guy because they're trying to misdirect me into thinking he's not the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Every time some character like a superhero has a boss that's like reasonable but there's like the sub boss that's a prick but then there's the boss above them who's like don't worry about that prick you're doing okay everything's good it's like geez i wonder if that guy's gonna be the bad guy at the end because he's being super reasonable and cool right right i 100 feel you on that i mean that's also why i why i like some of this stuff because it'll um there's some of them that are just like a collection of cliches that you can tell that when it came out, all of it was like, this is the most badass thing yeah. <laughs> in the entire world. And now when you watch it, it sort of reads as like a 
parody of itself. Yeah. Like a non-self-aware parody. Or maybe they were. You know, they, they could have been like, yeah, we get it. We're just, we're having some fun. But there's like a lens to view a lot of that through where it's kind of like the reasons why people like Kung Fury are because it's referencing all this stuff and just ramping up the cliches way past where the meter will hold it. And some of these are like, just barely there except Mm. sincere and there's something I really love about that if you want to see a really good example of that it's got two different names depending on where it was released it's either called Dark Angel or I Come in Peace oh I Come in Peace man fucking yeah uh, yeah, that movie's awesome with the fucking where the dude (laughs) sticks those tubes in people and takes the human brain juice out because they what 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 is the plot again? Doesn't it isn't it like a drug on his home planet? Yeah, it's basically alien heroin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so he's an alien drug lord and it's up to it's up to Dolph Lundgren and Brian Benben to stop him. When I was in college, my one roommate had this huge thing for Dolph Lundgren and so every day he would always be going to like the different video stores and getting like these used copies of straight to video Dolph Lundgren films. Yes. And so I always knew that movie as I Come in Peace. Uh, that was the title I always knew it as. Same. And the other thing was there was two Dolph Lundgren films that actually reused the same footage. Oh, really? It's amazing. I got to go back and remember what the titles were because we watched one of them and then there was this scene where a guy gets in like a yellow hazmat suit with like a briefcase and goes into a plane and then the, they, they try and heist it or something and then there's like this band of rebels that are all dressed in black and there's like a female one with long black hair and face paint and so we watched this movie fine it was terrible and then we watched this other Dolph Lundgren film like that I think it was just a few nights later in the previous film it was like the bad guy it was just like some nameless scientist who puts on the hazmat suit but all of a sudden there's this scene where Dolph Lundgren in this other movie is like all right well we've got to get aboard that plane and then he puts on this yellow hazmat suit and we're like oh that's funny oh my god and then they proceed to then the same sequence happens but in this movie it's supposed to be Dolph Lundgren in the suit but it's the same footage and then for no reason this band of rebels like shows up and it's the same ones where it's like the girl with the long hair with the face paint and they're all dressed in black but the context was different so it's like this time it's Dolph Lundgren breaking into some super secret plane whereas last time it was like different characters and it was amazing and so like this whole action scene played out and it was the same fucking scene and I believe they even shot new footage to sort of blend the reused footage so like they hired some actors again to be like you know the body doubles of the people who are in the action scene so that there could be like some a little bit of transition it was amazing man like i i think it's the only time and i've ever seen that before like in a live action movie i think i've seen it in like some bugs bunny cartoons but (laughs) but never in a live action film oh my god i love that so much like finding the production company that did that if you view something like that and like this is actually kind of endearing what else have they done that Mm -hmm. was like this then like follow that trail and see what else they've like that's that's how i found like some of the craziest shit that i now love absolutely there was a movie called radioactive dreams i think it was from 1985 it was it was a sort of thing where like you hit the nail on the head with like the mom and pop video store blockbuster and stuff like that sure those are there those are great but where I would rent movies most of the time when, when I was a kid by my grandparents' place. Back in the days when a grocery store just had like, hey, we've got a little video rental section too. We can't yeah. <laughs> afford to have any good movies. So 
all of it is straight to video stuff. All of it is just super crazy stuff. <laughs> it's next to the ham. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want some ham hocks in action? Like, I, I like both of those things. Thank you. I remember going there, as, you know, when I'm like 12, my grandma's shopping. So she's like, oh, yeah, go go get yourself some movies. They were all like a buck. So I remember picking up Radioactive Dreams and reading the back jacket and it said, like, you know, post-apocalyptic nuclear wasteland filled with disco mutants, cannibalistic hippies, evil bikers. Oh, and by the way, it's a musical. I'm like, this sounds amazing. <laughs> and it, it, like, it blew my mind. It's like, like, I understood, like, this is not a great movie. No one's going to be singing the praises of this, but holy shit, do I ever love this. Yeah. And the soundtrack is fantastic. It's still some, it's still some of my favorite music that's in that movie. And the guy who directed it, Albert Pion, has this whole string of just insane cyborg movies and stuff. Like, he did Cyborg with Van Damme, and he did, like, all the <laughs> Nemesis movies and stuff. Right. So just, like, finding, like, did Albert Pion do something that I haven't seen yet? Holy shit, let's load it up. <laughs> he's, he's, he's made a thousand other films. Oh, pretty much. <laughs> That's what I love about those low-budget ones. There's some of them, too, I even enjoy without irony. Absolutely. Like, uh, the other day I was watching Deathstalker 2. Oh, yes. And I can say this now, uh, in this this change... I mean, I think I, I might have said this on the show, but it was a revelation to me, like, several months ago when I watched it. As I, as I was watching it, I realized, I think I like this movie, like, not, <laughs> not ironically. Like, I actually laughed along with the terrible humor of it. Right. It's got this scene where he's in a wrestling ring with um what's her face from glow what the hell's her name attila uh, oh um, is it attila the hunt no yeah anyway he, he's <laughs> and there's like this there's like some like cartoon scenes where she punches him and it's directed like a cartoon and it's so right. stupid but i actually laughed at his the reaction when he gets punched in the face and the intro to that movie is incredible where like he gets away on the horse and then like the evil sorceress lady she's like i'll have my revenge and death stalker too and then like the words death stalker <laughs> or two appear on the screen and it starts playing the song and it's like it's so awesome but look we gotta listen to some music here uh and then we'll keep talking yeah so here's another cool track which i dug this got some cool like glitchy stuff going on it's called laser pink by sunset neon <laughs>
And that was Sunset Neon with the track Laser Pink. And I am here right now with Sunset Neon Brett. Yes. Talking about watching old B movies. Is <laughs> Laser Pink the color of your hair? It pretty much is. I. This is why I can never, like commit an actual serious crime because like with all the crazy markings i mean i got circuit board tattoos on my arms i ain't blended in with anyone i guess this this will sort of bring us nicely to your sort of uh i don't know what you call it, your friendship with uh, clayton mm-hmm. obviously you're part of the whole fixed thing mm-hmm. clayton is scandroid for anyone who doesn't know and i've had scandroid on the show where again almost like this he's got cell dweller and these other things but i focused on the scandroid he seems like he's got a focus and he's got a lot of these sort of wheels spinning all over in different directions but he seems very like focused on his career and all this shit and getting a lot of stuff done. So he, then he had his label and then they started fixed neon, which I guess would have just started with Scandroid and Sunset Neon, right? Like, is that, were those like the, the beginnings of it? At first, the Sunset Neon record came out when fixed was just fixed. But in 2019, they told me that they were branching things off and like sort of as a way to like compartmentalize what different music projects were because they were signing a bunch of new artists. So like, okay, we're going to have, we're going to have fixed for more of the like vocal driven sort of electronic rock kind of stuff. Fixed neon will be for synth wavy kind of stuff. And then fixed labs for all the like experimental electronic stuff. So it's only just recently that they just did this sort of reshuffling and put Sunset Neon over into the fixed neon banner that they're building up with uh, with more artists. Yeah, I keep getting emails every day. <laughs> just <Okay>. like, <laughs> fixed Neon has signed someone new. It's just like, we just signed LeBrock. We just signed fucking uh, Three Force. Who else? There's a whole bunch. Like Fury Weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, there's like, there's a bunch. They're all really good. Like, they're all, like these are, they're signing good people. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're building up their stable. Yeah, of horses. <laughs> Sorry, my, my brain shuts down occasionally and like metaphors don't translate and i just take them literally no i i, I do much the same because <laughs> i was watching i did watch a few little old videos mm. you had uh on your uh blue stolly youtube some uh behind the scenes things because i guess you you toured with cell dweller like if you like a long time ago like years and years ago it's funny how old some of that stuff is man and it's weird to think back and how old some of that stuff is some of it like alternately feels like a lifetime ago and that it was like wow it was last month man yeah <laughs> uh but yeah the the live show the live cell dweller show was uh 2010 and 2011 but there was there was a lot of time spent in pre-production for that because for that show he wanted to have remixed versions in more electronic versions of all the cell dweller stuff so that entire pre-production for the thing was like he was tweaking tracks i was tweaking tracks i did a shitload of programming and a shitload of sound design and i I would put stuff together like the way that things blended together in sort of a dj set sort of way i did that stuff in ableton and made it in sort of a modular fashion because we would like print out stems of all the stuff so it's like okay if we need to change the set we can Mm -hmm. so i'd have stems of all the songs and then like okay let's find a way to like blend this stuff together within ableton so we can change it later if need be you know and then did a bunch of sound design for like all the for the synths that you heard live and all the guitar tones and stuff that we played live and it would be backing tracks and stuff then we'd be playing live synths live guitars he'd be singing live and then there was like all this video content Uh, i was even camera two for filming some of the stuff that was on the screen. Anytime you saw stuff that was like super shaky cam or super like yeah. <laughs> you know, Floria Sigismondi focus poles, that was that
that was me going like this ain't my camera I'm gonna go crazy like yeah. <laughs> filming some stuff and just make it look super interesting uh, yeah 2010 and 2011 and that was all through we toured around America and did a show in Japan and four shows in Russia and I absolutely love playing live and it was great to be able to meet people touring is hard but I I love the hell out of it and I more especially love being able to tell people in person thank you for supporting this and thank you very much for yeah I mean thanks for listening to my music right so what was your connection then to Clayton in the first place Uh, I had listened to some of his older stuff when I was in high school and everything I got the opportunity to move to Detroit and just work in the studio I wasn't going up to like sign to the label at all I was really there to just be like a studio assistant and um, basically doing like studio kind of bitch work you know where it's like oh you're time correcting you're editing you're doing all this stuff right maybe some light programming here and there but mostly just like chopping up audio organizing things stuff like that and at the time I still had like Blue Stolly. I had like songs written and stuff like that that I wanted that I wanted to get out because I had I had been doing music a long time before that. I was I was doing production for people back when I lived in Phoenix, even while I was still working at the medical facility. And <laughs> I was doing that by day, and then by night I did music for a uh, burlesque troupe. There you go. And <laughs> yeah, I also had another project from back in high school called Voxes that was all you know crazy like rave, like industrial rave and techno and stuff like that. So I've always done that stuff, and I figured like okay. I'll do this stuff at the, like, I'll do the studio stuff and learn and hang out there. And then I'll just continue to do my own thing on, on my own and, and release that. However, I had never used pro tools at the time. I had like transitioned out of using trackers and was using Cubase and Nuendo. And it was like, well, like I do everything in pro tools. So you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn how to do that. All those kind of DAWs work pretty much the same. You know, it's everything works. I mean, very different than a tracker. But everything runs horizontal. You can see your waveform, all that stuff. They just do it in a different way. So he's like, yeah, just write a track as you normally would. And then that'll be a good way to like see the ins and outs of uh, Pro Tools. So I start writing a track and he's like, huh, this is pretty good. Why don't you try and write some vocals for this? So I'm like, all right. And I was no stranger to it because I'd been doing it for years before that and came in with vocals and lyrics and recorded that. And like, yeah, this will be a good way to this will also be a good way to like learn how to do Melodyne and stuff like that, because maybe that'll be one of my jobs that I do. Mm. And then after putting the song together, he uh, sent it off to his publisher, who was also his uh, his manager at the time. And the both of them were talking and and, uh, he said, you know, this kid may be more valuable to the label as an artist rather than an editor then they signed me and like okay keep doing stuff and that song that i did that sort of like got the gig with it that one wound up getting released as the first single and that was uh kill me every time right so the next thing from there he's like okay let's see what you can do so this next thing don't even worry about it being artistically representative of you show like show us what you can do just like go crazy with uh with different styles and in genres if you can do hip-hop show us that if you can do techno show us that and all this stuff is going to be for like production music basically like people aren't even going to hear it this is not even going to be released regular it's production music it's only going to be you know like library stuff like the publisher is going to have this then they're going to put it in film and tv and just think of it as like it's going to be in the background of like reality shows like oh okay cool i started whipping tracks out and they were like this stuff is gonna it's gonna work great for production music but you could just release this as an album you just gotta decide like what's the like what would you want blue stolly to be because this is all over the place like well that's what i want blue stolly to be all over the place 
I don't want to be the guy that like I only do this genre and that's it because I I get way bored of that and I like too many different things and I like putting everything in a blender. So I thought like that'll be a good statement that this whole record comes out, you know, initially was intended to just be for film and TV and only editors of trailers and uh and reality shows were going to hear this stuff. I'm trying to think of what reality show cuz when I think when I was uh, listening to the Blue Stolly stuff, what it reminded me of, especially like the more sort of techno-y tracks, mm-hmm. was uh, fight scenes in the Matrix. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's visually what I picture when uh, when that stuff is playing. Well, the stuff that's on the anti-sleep albums goes everywhere from stuff like that that you would normally hear from Blue Stolly, all the way to like more straight up electronic stuff and also just some like upbeat kind of funky jazzy sort of stuff like one of the craziest places it showed up I, I did this song called high roller mojo that's all this super swanky kind of vegasy jazz finger snapping kind of stuff with break beats hmm. and where it wound up is something that's so ridiculous it sounds like i'm making it up but i swear to god it's true and you can you can find it on the game show network jerry springer hosted a dating game show called baggage and i was the theme song for that <laughs> I'm trying to even figure out what is the premise of baggage. So I, I like I watched a couple episodes because not only did they use that song as the theme song, I would see on my statements. I'm like, man, there's like a couple other songs in like the same style that I had on that record that they just use over and over and over again. It's just like music in the show. Right. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So I found some clips of it. And the premise is that you get these two people there and there's like three pieces of luggage and inside each piece of luggage is some weird, like, deal-breaker fact about <laughs> each person. So they go through, you know, and it could be like, oh, yeah, you know, like, it could be someone who it's like, yeah, I'm super hot and I work out all the time. Then they open the thing. It's like, also, I eat toilet paper for fun. You know, it, it's, something, right. it's something weird. <laughs> and then the whole point of the show is to then get to, like, maybe they make a love connection or they get to use the line... I'm sorry, you have too much baggage. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it hurts you a little, doesn't it? <laughs> well, look, this is a terrible segue, because speaking of all this Blue Stolly music, let's listen to some Sunset Neon. Let's do it. So here is a track called Starlight by Sunset Neon. <laughs>
was Starlight by Sunset Neon. I'm here with Sunset Neon right now talking about Blue Stolly. <laughs> so... <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's fine. It's funny. I like. I'm gonna go look up clips of this fucking Jerry Springer show now. Oh man, yeah. I mean, that is the thing. It's like when you. I mean, if you ask about the start, it's like it did start with Blue Stolly and Sunset Neon was way more recent development, uh, but also still very much ongoing. Well, that's what this show is all about, man. I'm all about being current. That's uh, yes. that's my thing. Even though I only end up talking about Goldeneye all the time, I'm I'm hip. <laughs> I'm with it. Sure, we talk a lot about video games from 1997 but the point yeah. is that uh you know we're all having a good time <laughs> but if you're in the studio all the time mm-hmm. i mean come on you gotta be you gotta be doing fun stuff you just do you skateboard <laughs> <laughs> i i've never asked that question to anybody before <laughs> i remember attempting to skateboard once when I was a kid like I had a lot of friends who were skaters in grade school I was content to just hang out and watch them because they were super into that and I was super into like drawing and comics and stuff like that They're like yeah you should give this a try I'm like yeah yeah maybe I will and <laughs> smash oh yeah it was it did not go well at all and I, I'm like all right fuck it I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep just doing art stuff I love going down crazy rabbit holes of finding stuff that was inspirational to me or, or things that just sort of like stick out in my head of like, huh, that gave me like a certain vibe that I want to recapture, that I want to do more songs that feel the way that this makes me feel because I can't even put my finger on what the hell it is. And like more recently, there was a, um, I remembered being like, I had to have been like 14 or something like that. Yeah, I had to be. And reading about this game, this PC game called Dreamweb for DOS and Amiga. And I just remember reading these things in like, you know, like PC Gamer Magazine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the game is like super controversial. Some people can't handle like some of the stuff it shows. I'm like, oh yeah, I want to see this stuff. And just never had the opportunity to right. when I was a kid. So then I was like, well, there has to be like a wealth of information about it. Now, I mean, it's, it's abandoned where now. Sure. You know, not that I necessarily want to load it up and play because I'm terrible. I'm like, but I do want to see it. Yeah. So maybe I can find like a let's play or maybe I can just find documentation about it or find interviews with the people who made it. Like, what the hell is so controversial about this game? It's a super dark story. It's this whole like sort of very dystopian, dark, rainy, cyberpunkish kind of story. And I love all things cyberpunk. So it fit in well with like, oh, I'm doing the, I'm doing a big like reconnect with all the things that inspired me. Yeah. The controversy with it, even though it's not great graphics they would still like we're gonna show the blood splatter we're gonna animate that as well as we can (laughs) there's a thing where the guy shows up and like assassinates someone it's like a rock star guy and he's like in the middle of like having sex with a groupie okay he kicks the door in and it's the like you're imagining a movie but like picture terrible top-down graphics he kicks the door in uh the groupie runs away you you see the guy's dong flapping around and then you blow his head off (laughs) (laughs) it's it's amazing, though, when you consider what games are like now, right. what they were then, the controversy that was caused. Like, I love um, Mortal Kombat 2. Mm. Well, I mean, I love the Mortal Kombat series, but Part 2 was like the high point, I think, for me at that time. And just going back and, and seeing news reports about the violence in Mortal Kombat and just how silly and cartoony it is. Yeah. And then I just want to go back in time to those people and just show them a clip of any fatality from the game now (laughs) 
because they've gone so overboard with the violence now. Right. So it's like you literally you watch the old one. Johnny Cage rips the guy in half. It looks like Monty Python violence. Like it, you know, it looks cartoony. Yeah. Like even though you see a spine and stuff, it's foolish. And like this big blood balloon like flies in the air and like splats on the ground. Like it's it's very silly. <laughs> I just watch video gameplay of Mortal Kombat. You know, and they're literally like every time it cues a fatality, all of a sudden it films it from a cinematic angle. And it's like, oh, he grinds a guy's face off and then cuts his face in half and then the brain falls out and then he sticks his brain on a big knife and takes a bite out of it and it's like Jesus Christ and it's just it's so intense and then what people were upset about back then was like a blood splatter I remember these PC games that were like had cinematic full motion video PC games yes I had a friend who was always playing those and he had this one called Phantasmagoria yeah oh hell yeah from Sierra yeah and it was like 10 discs or something stupid and then all it was was just some weird excuse to watch this lady get murdered in different ways because, you know, whenever you did stuff wrong, you'd get like a little quick video of her getting like ripped in half or her head <laughs> cut off or whatever. So I just remember that, like just seeing like just a, a few of the deaths. But I think now if you go back and watch them now, the CGI of them is really ridiculous. Oh, yeah. They filmed them all green screen, right? So they have like these right. pre-rendered backgrounds and green screen. And so like when you look at it now, it just looks so fucking terrible. But at the time it was like, ooh, you know, like there's gore in a video game. I love that shit so much. It's super sad, but that is what I do to calm down. Like, so, like I'll focus on something like Dreamweb. Like, I want to learn everything about when they made this. I see if I can find, like, the handbook and stuff like that. And the fun thing with a lot of those old games, like, a lot of them, the soundtrack was done in trackers. So if you can track down the actual files for it, you can pull up the soundtrack to whatever game and have it play right in front. Like, you can pull up the soundtrack to the first Deus Ex or Unreal Tournament, and you can see the session file, and you can see all the samples laid out in front of you and how they put it together. And what I love even more than that is finding the, like, really crazy, like, obscure stuff that, like, oh, some old tracker guy that I really looked up to when I was getting started did the soundtrack for this game. Crazy. Never heard of it. Never gonna play it. Don't care, (laughs) but I want to hear the music for it, and I'll spend an entire night. My wife will be doing her thing. I'm like, well, here. Here's how I'm gonna unwind. I'm gonna go see if I can find all the session files for this weird old abandoned wear video game that no one remembers. Yeah. <laughs> if you go on YouTube and find like, oh, someone put the OST up there, there's maybe like one comment underneath it. I'm like, yes, this, ah, this, yeah, <laughs> love it. You know what bugs me? What's that? The word Deus Ex, mm-hmm. there's no way to say that stupid game name without always hearing Day of Sex. Like, <laughs> Whenever people talk about it, like, I think before I knew how that word was properly pronounced, like Deus Ex Machina, like, I I used to always just call it Deus Ex, like, when I was a kid. When I finally figured out how it was said, I'm like, this sounds so terrible, because every time people talk about it, it's just like, you know, Deus Ex, Deus Ex, and like, that's, I never hear Deus Ex. My brain never accepts that, even when that is what's being said. I love that it's also, I never heard that, now I'm never gonna... I'm never going to hear it the right way ever again now that you've pointed that out. But I, I also love that it's not just that it's that you're hearing it as day of sex, but that you're you're hearing it as like some jovial guy from Jersey going like, yeah, you know, the day of sex. We're all going <laughs> to well, yeah, meet up. That's, that's how it's said. <laughs> Fucking day of sex. I can't. Oh, my God. Look, we got to listen to some more music. Let's do it. And then, and then, 
And then we could probably wind down because we've actually been talking for a while. But uh, holy hell, this uh, this was a cool track you did. This was like a big sort of like '80s rock anthem one. It's called Tonight. Yes, it's a rite of passage for any sort of synthwave project to have a song called Tonight, and uh, that's always an important thing. <laughs> And uh, this one is uh, really awesome. It's uh, very big and fun, and we're going to listen to it right now. Man, this is Tonight by Sunset Neon. was tonight by sunset neon and i'm here with sunset neon right now mr brett autry yes talking about old games and trying to find session files Ooh, actually yeah you inadvertently made like the best transition possible i actually forgot about this until because i'm just going with the conversation but when you mentioned tonight and also mentioned us talking about old games you just clicked something in right now i'm a great host by the way you are you're a fantastic host man (laughs) no thank you so much for having me there's a game 
uh, like a VR game called Synth Riders that tonight now shows up in you like put on the headset you use the paddles and everything and you're standing there in the middle of like a guitar hero sort of thing right you gotta bat all the stuff away and like they use tonight in the game there's a lot of people doing that stuff and the developer is super cool and hit me up and said hey if you want to like pass some of these out i'll give you some like access codes to the game so they're too long to read out over the air, but like I can give these to you. And if you want to have it in the description, there's promo codes for people to just get the game for free. And it has, it's not just my song over and over again. The entire thing is that it's like, it's a synth wave game. You're in a synth wave world listening to synthwave music and uh, just bashing the hell out of stuff coming at you. Cool, man. Yeah, we can do that for sure. Awesome. I'll, I'll have to come up with something later when I uh, think. I'm a I'm very disorganized person. So I'll say <laughs> now, so like, that sounds like a really great idea. And then I'll post the episode and go like, oh, that's right. We forgot to do that thing with the codes. <laughs> I meant to write everything down before we started talking. I'm like, okay, make sure I talk about this. Make sure I talk about this. Oh, make- yeah, sorry. <laughs> it ain't, ain't going to go that way. It ain't going to go that way. <laughs> Yeah, my show doesn't really work that way. I think whenever people do come in with some sort of planned thing, and then it's just like, wow, we ended up talking about, like, dog haircuts for, like, half an hour. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's, uh, I didn't plan that either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, like, tonight we end up getting picked up by, like, new retro wave and stuff like that. And the, I've never thought of it as a synthwave project. In my head, I'm doing, like, you know, Jam and Lewis, more Day in the Time kind of stuff. And stuff like tonight is more like, oh, I'm just doing like almost like comical satire on every like pump up anthem in every movie, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there's the things that are like, oh, here's just like a chill wave sort of like glitchy nostalgic sort of deal or stuff that's just like new disco. That's a true sentiment, though, of a lot of synthwave artists, because to me, I use that term very loosely. And so I usually just mean anything that's like remotely nostalgia inspired electronic music. I use the phrase synthwave. Sure. There's some people who are a lot more strict about its use or they try to define multiple subgenres. Right. Right. So pretty much in my head, to me, it's like there's synthwave, there's synth pop Mm -hmm. and then dark wave or things like this. Right. I find a lot of synthwave artists do say that thing. It's just like, they make this music because they like it, but they don't necessarily consider themselves synthwave, but then they get sort of like brought into the fold. Sure. When the genre sort of first started, it was more, there was the stuff called Outrun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was kind of more video game sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely, and then now the synthwave stuff is incorporating a lot more of like the actual like 80s pop and stuff. But when at first it was like mostly instrumental, there's some people who are really only like instrumental. You know what I mean? Like that to them is oh, synthwave. Yeah, the second yeah. there's even singing in it, all of a sudden and it's a different thing. And to me, I'm like, nah, nah, man. I'm not very strict about my my use of the stuff. As long as it's cool sounding. Yeah. That's my criteria. Yeah. I think it's good calling it like a catch-all. I mean, just like with anything else, there's going to be people who are, every style of music has the people who are like, this is what it is. Here's the criteria for it. And these are the things don't fit into that. I'm like, yeah, you're right, but they're still cool. Who who cares? To me, I've never been that kind of person who's strict. Cause I, I do get comments like that from people who are very particular about mm. the words that are used and the subgenres that the things are. And to me, music has always been just about evoking a, an emotion. I mean, my favorite music just gives me imagery in my head. And mm-hmm. I always see the utility. I, I have a very visual brain. So I just, whenever I hear music, I'm always like, how would I use this if I were making a movie? What would the scene be? Right, right. So to me, the music I like the least in the world is music that I just 
I don't know its function. Mm. So to yeah, me, yeah. like when I listen to like Hootie and the Blowfish, I don't mm-hmm. know its function. Like I, <laughs> I hear it and I go, I don't know what what utility this music has. Right. It just does nothing. Man, a lot of that all sounded the same to me when that came out too. Like I'm, I'm with you. Like all, all the stuff that was like sort of that style a lot of the stuff i listened to in that period of time was like the more industrial stuff like nine inch nails and shit that's where i was getting my sort of electronic music fix when it became like uncool to be fun right so the all the stuff that was on the radio just fucking i wanna be with you oh yeah the fucking everyone everyone had that like (laughs) the letter r yeah you know (laughs) it's it's funny you say that because when the kids watch Sesame Street and they, we had like this disc of musical stuff and whenever it was like the 90s Sesame Street oh no there's like literally like Hootie and the Blowfish singing about crossing the road where it's like <laughs> no it's a cover of their song but it's like when you gotta cross the street oh yeah when you're on the corner and you wanna cross the street there's one thing to remember before you move your feet you need a little that's the funny thing like as you're talking about that I'm, I'm like man in high school it's like it was industrial stuff for me too that was skinny puppy frontline assembly and then it would be stuff like the prodigy or things like that or like listen to like juno reactor like when trance was like kicking off and stuff mm-hmm. like that that's also when the whole like tracking scene was at its apex a lot of the stuff that i listen to now if i'm just in the car it's all the stuff i listen to in high school you know it's like old tracker stuff or old video game soundtracks or like a frontline assembly record sure that's where a lot of that early inspiration came from but at the same time that i was listening to that that whole time in the 90s when it's like there was just stuff that i did not like going on and like you know rock and things like that i'm like well let me like really dive into music that's when i got a love for everything because i lived walking distance from this place called zia records you know nothing was organized by genre it was all alphabetical and it was all used CDs, so they were all like five bucks. So I would save up all my money and go there and get a bunch of stuff. So I remember going there and like, you know, getting like a Sade record. I'm like, I love this. This is my <laughs> this is my new favorite. I mean, that's why like there's a track on Starlight called After Hours that's like, I want to make a Sade song that sounds like you had to like pull it off of a decaying VHS and then putting it into another sampler. And that sampler is defective and is glitching out anyway. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of the thing with the Sunset Neon stuff is like, let me capture that feel that Sade gave me or that feel that like the soundtrack to this movie gave me. What if that was sampled off of like an old cassette? It's lo-fi on purpose because I want it to sound like a little beat up and then it glitches out because whatever sampler you put it into, it's like, oh shit, it's not supposed to be able to handle stuff like this and now it's freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. That's what the record is. I love, I love that. When things are imperfect i haven't thought about that for a while the old music stores because i obviously haven't bought physical music in a long time when everything would be in alphabetical order because i would always like depeche mode was my favorite group when i was young yeah and to this day i don't think i've ever listened to a deep purple song (laughs) but whenever i would look for depeche mode albums that would always be like the things that were sandwiched next to depeche mode you're right would be fucking deep purple back you know before torrents and music like you could download music and stuff like if i went to like a different city and went to like a record store i'd look through their depeche mode because there might be some weird single i had never seen or whatever on cd and so whenever i'd flip through it and i'd always get to the d's and i would always think i'd hit depeche mode but it was fucking deep purple and there was always like a whole bunch of deep purple to fucking flip through before i uh anyway but look 
How about we listen to one more song? Yeah. And then we'll wrap it up. So since you uh, mentioned After Hours, I feel we should listen to it. And I and I did dig this song. It kind of has sort of a vaporwave yes. kind of style to it, but you just already explained all that. So let's just fucking <laughs> listen to it. This is After Hours by Sunset Neon.
And that was Sunset Neon with the track After Hours. And I'm here with Sunset Neon right now. And uh, we can probably wind this down. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we didn't uh, talk about? Or I, I mean, I guess just letting people know that like there's a hell of a lot of music coming. It's been a little quiet on the uh, on the Sunset Neon front. I just released a remix that I did. I did a Sunset Neon remix for this indie pop artist named Anderson Rocio. The song was fantastic. So it was like she already sounded great, and the songwriting was phenomenal. I just like popified it a little bit mm. that's out now that's a fun thing but i know there's brand spanking new stuff coming there's a lot of stuff that i that i made that was initially going to be on starlight but i kind of ran out of time for it and there's some brand spanking new stuff that's been that's been put together unfortunately i have to do some blue stolly stuff first and finish that album and start working on live stuff and things like that but sunset neon is not forgotten there will be brand spanking new things with that i there was a bit of a hiatus for both things the past year because i was uh, i was taking care of my mother when she was ill so now I'm, I'm I'm back at it. Yeah, man. Well, that's cool. That's exciting. I mean, it seems weird to say that uh, we're talking about it's on hold because for some people, maybe this will be their first exposure to Sunset Neon. And so it's like... True. They, uh, I doubt it, though, because I've played Sunset Neon tracks on the show before. I appreciate the hell out of that, too, by the way. Thank you so much, man. Well, it's good stuff. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have very complex motivations. It's like, I listen to things, I'm like, well, that's cool. Play. Yeah. You know, it's all, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I can't find it. This is, what, this is what happens toward the end of most interviews. Is like, there's, there's a point where my brain literally just shuts off and it's not even gradual. Sure. It's like a fucking switch just goes off and like, nope, you're done. <laughs> like, <Right>. okay. <laughs> that's too bad. I was enjoying this. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is, no, this is great. But look, man, well, it was nice to meet you. You as well keep on making uh, cool music and i look forward to hearing more stuff it's always good to hear cool music it makes me happy it makes my job a lot easier absolutely and i i can't wait for you to have brand spanking new stuff well i like brand spanking new things yeah and that's the most i've heard uh, <laughs> that phrase in a while but uh but you have a lovely day and uh keep on being a cool guy i guess <laughs> Well, it's not going to translate over the podcast, but uh, I'm doing the finger guns and doing a right back at you, Chief. Kind of sweet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Take care, dude. Cool. Thanks very much, man. All right. We did it. Hot damn. Ah, this was awesome, man. And that was my conversation with Sunset Neon. Uh, he's a cool guy. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I liked uh, talking to him. And, uh, and we're back here with Marco to say goodbye. Hey. So uh, we're also going to hear from Marco again in a few days, right? Because this week you're going to uh, do the high five. That's right. I got some awesome tracks lined up. Uh, I know you guys are going to love it. So I'm really looking forward to that too. And hope you guys enjoy it. Well, look, I'm going to tell you what. We're going to end the show this week. With a, with a track. How about that? Okay, that sounds good. Um, this was another request. This was from uh, Sven Bomanis. Uh, I think it was either from him or his wife. <laughs> or maybe it was both of them. The, Bo- the Bomanis family. They wanted to hear Hang Em All by Carpenter Brute. And this is my favorite Carpenter Brute song. I don't think I've ever told anybody that. But it is. I love this fucking song so much. Hang Em All from uh, EP2. 
but you can also get it as part of the Carpenter Brute trilogy. And uh, let's end the song with this man with some energy because this song is fucking kick-ass and uh, that's all I got to say for this week. All right, well, thanks for having me on the show, Andy. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, I'll see you guys really soon on High Five. Yeah, man. And now let's fucking listen to some Carpenter Brute with the track Hang 'Em All. So I'm confused. So when is High Five? High Five is going to be released on Friday. When's this going to be released? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is coming out like tomorrow. Oh, this is tomorrow. Shit, because I thought this was for next week and you're doing it early. I was like, all right. No, man. We're like, I'm releasing this one, uh, technically releasing it today because we're recording right now at like one in the morning. When the fuck That's am true. I going to edit this? Exactly. That's what I'm worried about, Andy. Oh, God. I guess I'm going to be up late. It could be a late one for you, buddy. Well, this is what I do for my listeners. I hope they appreciate it. Is this still part of the show?
If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or visit beyondsynth.com and click on support the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by the awesome Patreon supporters. Don't forget to follow Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Live broadcasts can be heard weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash beyond underscore synth. Have a lovely week.